0: Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 7. I'm Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota.
1: We'll begin with God's Word for You by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 1, verses 16 and 17. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. In this second tragedy all of Job's seven thousand sheep are killed by the fire of God. Now this could be a reference to lightning, as it is in first Kings eighteen thirty eight or to a storm of burning sulfur from a volcanic fissure, such as that which destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. This kind of an event is also used in the Bible as an example of the judgment of the last day. Um, We find that in Psalm 11, in Isaiah 30, Ezekiel 38 against Gog, and several times in Revelation, and once even later in Job 18.15. Because of the, e- the, the early date of Job, some people see a possibility that if Job's sheep were grazing close to the shore of the Dead Sea, they might actually have been destroyed in the very same lava storm that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah just after sunrise one day, along with the towns and vegetation of the area. That story is in Genesis 19, verses 23 to 25. However, we can only leave that as a possibility and not as a certainty. Let's go on to verse 17. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. In this third tragedy, a Chaldean raid is ascribed. Ur, a city in Chaldea, had been the place of Abraham. At this time, the Chaldeans occupied cities along the banks of the Tigris River, the eastern edge of today's Iraq. The three raiding parties are similar to the tactics of Gideon in Judges 7. The purpose for the three groups was perhaps first one group to create a diversion to draw away the servants and then one group to drive the camels into a certain direction and then a final group to surprise and kill the servants. Later, the Chaldeans would become renowned as magicians. Their name is the word used in the Bible for wise men or magi. But here, the only place when the wise men... Even are mentioned, with, are, 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 are mentioned with camels, they are mere thieves and bandits. Were these raids by the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans nothing but singular events stirred up by Satan to persecute Job? Or did the devil use some bigger events to stir up the pot all around the countryside? It's possible, maybe even probable that the raids that are going on in this chapter are part of a larger world scene at this time, that the lawless destruction going on was caused by fear of such fire from God that we see here and in Genesis 19. Canaan looked inviting. Well watered, Genesis 13 says, like the garden of the Lord, but if such firestorms made agriculture a gamble at best, then the emerging bands of thieves would be something we would expect to find. These are not the last of Job's troubles. But he, his losses are starting to pile up. So far, the possessions that he had, of the possessions that he had, this is what has taken place. 7,000 sheep destroyed by fire. 3,000 camels stolen by the Chaldeans. 500 yoke of oxen stolen by the Sabaeans. 500 donkeys stolen by the Sabaeans. In addition, all of the servants that were guarding and keeping his herds and flocks were killed. So far, only three men have survived to tell the tale. The Apostle Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. All of these things come only with God's permission. The devil can't strike any of us if God does not permit it. When we have troubles, as Christians, we can see them as tests or challenges, and we have to recognize that God works out everything for the good of those who love him. And sometimes, my head cold might simply put me into a place where I can be of service to somebody else in need, all to the glory of God. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you.
0: For Canaan-Bound Devotion today, we look at Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1 Leaving behind what is false The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Abram's place of origin was Ur of the Chaldeans. This is most likely the location we know today as near southeastern Iraq. It was five hundred miles from the land of Canaan as the bird flies. The journey for Abram's route would be over a thousand miles long. Abram would be traveling in a large arc through the region around Baghdad, through what we call Syria, along the border of modern-day Turkey. His father, Terah, took him with some others en route to the land of Canaan. But Terah stopped at Haran, hundreds of miles north of Canaan, Abram, who we know much better as Abraham, didn't grow up surrounded by people who worshipped the Lord. In fact, Scripture speaks about Terah, his father, and others in the land of Ur as those who worshipped false gods. We read in Joshua 24, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan. It seems that false god worship hung around in Terah's family, too. We see many years later, after Abraham's journey, when Abram's grandson Jacob meets his relatives, he comes across Laban. Laban had a household which had idols idols which his own daughter Rachel coveted and stole from him. God called Abraham out of a place, which he was probably fairly comfortable. It was, after all, the place of his father's household, where he lived with his family members. But God called Abraham to leave behind family ties, leave behind the worship of false gods, to travel to a place where he could worship the Lord alone. God in mercy called you through his gospel. Some Christians must leave behind friends and family. Some are blessed to have friends and family who do worship the Lord along with them. But all believers have been called from darkness of unbelief to trust in the Lord. We're not headed back to unbelief and worship of what is false. We're headed to the land. He will show us. What do we need to leave behind? We need to leave behind everything which would pull us away from worship of the true god you are not traveling to a land called canaan but like abraham you are headed to a home where god promises to take you continue to hear his word and be ready to daily leave behind all which is false however comfortable it may be to cling and hold on to it let go and forever leave behind whatever might pull you from the worship of the true god The Lord has called you to be his own. And in him, in Jesus, you will find rest. Up next, we have a song featured by Tracy Fedke, All in All, on her album Child at Home.
2: As I look around this world, I see so many troubles much bigger and stronger than me, too big to handle, then I remember how you, you took my hand in yours and you saved me, you saved me, you are the rock that I stand on, you will never let me fall. through this life to know where their place is I want to let them know they have a place to be and it's with you in your arms you are the rock they can stand on you never let them fall you are the one they can depend on you They're all in all I know of a place I can't yet see Where there is no crying Where there is no heartache, no more mystery Where love keeps on singing I have done nothing to deserve the place you've won for me with the blood of your own son. You are the rock that I stand on, you never let me fall.
0: Next we have a short devotion by Pastor Aaron Nitz.
3: The verse from God's Word that we'll focus our attention on today is from Philippians chapter four, verse four. It says Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So what are you glad about this Christmas season? Christmas cookies? Christmas music? Christmas traditions? What's trying to rob you of joy this Christmas season? Tragic news? An absent family member? Busyness? But notice what God says in this verse. He says, Rejoice! Always! Not just sometimes or occasionally, but all the time. Why can we rejoice always? God gives us the answer, and we celebrate it every year at Christmas. Jesus came. There will never be one morning that you wake up and Jesus hasn't already come. There won't be one day that Jesus hasn't already suffered and died for you. There won't ever be one day when Jesus isn't already alive and ruling all things in order to bring you to heaven. Now that's something to rejoice about. That's something to rejoice about today and tomorrow and always, no matter what. I'm sure rejoicing because my Savior Jesus has come for me, and he has come for you too. God's blessings on your day.
0: Up next, we have a short mission blog posted on wells.net. This is regarding Russia Mission Update, posted by Jennifer Wolfgram. Her husband, Luke Wolfgram, serves in Russia. Jennifer gives an overview of three important areas of ministry in Russia and how they are progressing. The seminary. The seminary is a highlight this year. Our three pastoral students are doing well. They have only one quarter left of classroom work, and then they will have a year to serve as vicars. God willing they will be assigned as vicars in May 2013 during the fall quarter the seminary students conducted their first sunday morning adult bible class and they did one more sunday morning adult bible class during advent god willing our part-time seminary instructor and his wife will be arriving for the final quarter of the classroom study soon everyone is looking forward to having vicars the students can't wait the congregations are excited But it won't surprise me if Missionary Wolfgram is most excited of all. The summer of 2008, Missionary Wolfgram went from serving one congregation to two. In the fall of 2008, that turned into three. Then in the fall of 2010, when the only national pastor resigned, that turned into four. It has been a very hectic pace. In May, there will be vicars who can begin to do more producing, writing sermons, conducting classes, visiting the sick and delinquent. Then the missionaries can move to doing more advising, mentoring, nurturing. This will be a tremendous step in the right direction for the Russian church body. Thank God for sending workers. You can read the rest of Jennifer's blog update at wells.net, where she also talks about outreach programs. This blog was first shared on January 22, 2013. If you would like to help contribute recording of blog recordings for the Kanenbaum Podcast, please contact Tom Barthel at pastorbarthel at gmail.com. On occasion on Kananbaum Podcast, we'll be sharing with you recordings of public domain hymns that are used in worship services. This is a recording from the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary Chapel Service. You can listen to the chapel services at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary by going to wls.wells.net. The entire podcast of the service is available for you there. This hymn is called Forever with the Lord. It is hymn number 218 in the Christian Worship Hymnal. Once more, we'd like to thank Tracy Fedke for allowing us to share her music. Her music from Child at Home. You can find more information at tracyfedke.com. Once again, you've been listening to Episode 7 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared on January of 2013. Visit Canaan Bound Podcast to learn how you can support the ministry of the wells and the artist featured on this podcast. My name is Tom Barthel. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells Ministry location near you. Thanks for listening.
4: You are my own.